everybody, welcome back to Lords of Order, the Dr. Fate fan podcast. I am your host, Ed Moore. This is episode 43. Thanks for sticking around. Appreciate it. If you want to leave any feedback, which we'll have a little bit more later on in the episode here to give some folks some thanks that I believe deserve it, you can send that to the Dr. Fate podcast at gmail.com if you're so inclined to use that. The Lords of Order podcast also has pages on Google Plus and Facebook. And the website where you can always leave comments is bigtimenoise.com slash drfate. The Big Time Noise website is kind of a, a brother, I guess, or a sister to the Comic Book Noise website, both of which are parts of the Deliberate Noise family of podcasts. Uh, also, as this just came to mind... Uh, iTunes reviews are always in order for the show. I have one of those that I will bring out here in the next couple shows, it looks like. So those are appreciated. The book this time out is Dr. Fate, issue number three. This is the new ongoing Dr. Fate of the DC uh, New U or DCU. Y-O-U, whatever they're calling it. One of several books, actually, that DC is putting out that uh, I have been picking up to give a try to. This one is from Paul Levitz and Sonny Liu, I believe it's pronounced, who label themselves as the storytellers. And as far as the uh, creators are concerned, it looks like they're handling writing, art, inking, and colors by the looks of it because also listed is Nick Napolitano for letters and Lee Lofbridge, I'm sorry, as colorist so the the colors are handled by a separate person now this book, uh, first of all the cover kind of uh, caught my interest, this is I believe the A cover that I have here and it is a picture of Khalid's father Muhammad if you recall from last issue or maybe the first issue I can't remember exactly when his father, Khalid's father, Khalid is the current uh, holder of the Helmet of Thoth, who they are calling Dr. Fate. For those of you that this might be your first uh, new book show you're listening to. Uh, His father was a taxi cab driver who was injured in an accident and, among other things, injured his eyes. And this cover is a a picture of Muhammad, a, a bust, with the bandage over his eyes decorated with a bunch of Egyptian-type drawings. Now, they're the drawings of the little people, okay? Not necessarily like the cuneiforms or Sanskrit or any of the the writing-writing, but these are the ideograms, maybe, is what they're called, the pictures of characters drawn all across the bandage. And then one of them is Khalid with the Helmet of Fate on, colored for us, so it, it really jumps out. But to me, the interesting thing is that from beneath the bandage, we see that Muhammad is crying, and the tear, as it zigzags down his cheek, is blood. And then the bottom, the the drop, you know, that that forms there, it is in the shape of an ankh on his cheek. Now, this is very uh, reminiscent, very reflective of a panel that we see later on in the story, except for the little ankh shape that the teardrop itself assumes on the cover doesn't do so in the book itself. Our story picks up right after the ending of last 
issue. Uh, Khalid had defeated the evil Dog Pack and had healed his leg and was standing there kind of relaxing, holding the helmet of faith, if you remember, with the big tidal wave bearing down on him in the background. He didn't, he didn't see it. How in the world he didn't hear it is beyond me, but apparently he didn't because now it has struck him and he is being tossed by this artificially created tide uh, hither and yon, I believe would be the the appropriate phrase. He's reaching out to try to get the helmet of faith that is fate, not faith, I'm sorry, that has been knocked out of his hand. Trash and junk and a couple cars uh, bouncing all over the place. Khalid is moving, wading, swimming, you know, whatever he can to try to get the helmet of faith, which seems to just be being kept out of his grasp. Finally, Khalid grabs a a nearby pole or something to keep from being buffeted around and just out of frustration says, damn it, get over here, you stupid hunk of gold. And the helmet levitates and comes towards him saying, as you will. Khalid grabs it, puts the helmet on, levitates himself now uh, using the helmet itself to, actually, I apologize again. I said helmet of fate. It's not being called the helmet of fate. It's the helmet of Thoth in this iteration. Uh, He looks towards the origin of this uh, stream of water and sees something, which tells him it's not the wind, it's not a normal water surge. It's this energy nimbus that he can see uh, in, in the background there. So he heads towards it, knocking around things that are being thrown at him or perhaps attacking him using his powers that he derives from the helmet. He gets near the origin point of this surge of water. The water itself is even even seemingly attacking him as it's it's jumping up at him, he says, uh, angry, and that the water smells like wet dog, uh, which puts him in mind that, hey, maybe the water then is being controlled by those same dogs that attacked me with that one talking dog and you know, he's, he's making those connections himself. But he summons energy, uh, nimbusing around his hands. Is that a word, nimbusing? Well, it, it is in, in this episode. And he directs that energy at the seemingly invisible energy causing this until he had put on the helmet of Thoth and cancels that energy creating the water. The water does something. I don't know if the water disappears. It looks like maybe he pushes the water back. Either way, it mostly clears from the neighborhood where he's at. The neighborhood being Bay Ridge, which apparently is an actual neighborhood in Brooklyn. Um, a couple other things come up here in the story that I'll mention that apparently are actual locations in Brooklyn, so they are keeping this very Uh, real-world-centered, as far as location, anyways. Of course, not real-world-centered in that, as far as I know, there's no Dr. Fate running around out there. Um, I don't even think there's a Helmet of Thoth running around out there. But he dissipates this uh, attack, and then just kind of flops to the ground, having exerted himself and not really knowing at this point, because he's so new, you know, how to maintain... Uh, his stamina, or, or perhaps he just doesn't have really the stamina to execute these powers using the helmet energies yet. We cut to the second location mentioned in this issue, the Maimonides, maybe is how it's pronounced, Medical Center, which I found is also in Brooklyn. 
this is where Khalid's father Muhammad is, and we see that mom, and I say that because I neither can remember her name nor was it referenced in this issue, but mom is there attending to dad, Muhammad, who is in the hospital recuperating from his accident, and on this page is the panel we see. Muhammad is reflecting that perhaps they are, they, they're the families. Fortunes have changed because Muhammad is injured and with his eyesight being injured, he is injured in such a way that he will no longer be able to provide for his family, which is an issue for him being a, uh, a more masculine or, or you know, cis male role kind of man. Uh, but also on top of the fact that he was able to provide for them better when he was in Egypt as a doctor than he was when they immigrated to the U.S. where he could not practice medicine any longer and took up taxi driving, which has apparently been a an issue for him as well. He references that the, the wife's income uh, as an assembler, let's see, what's the call it here um, an assembler of dusty shards that you piece together for the museum Uh, not that he's putting it down but that's just his impression of what his wife does is not enough money Muhammad's what what masculinity he does have and I'm I'm not saying that in a bad way that he's this you know uber uh, dude bro or anything like that but just his his ability to do those things that he fail uh, feels he should do as a man as the male of the family the provider he's not going to be able to do which he already was not able to do as much as he wanted to do so it's it's compounding he he feels that their current life is is lifestyle is over and as he's detailing this he's crying uh, and we see that that tear of blood whether that's meant to represent anything or is actually, you know, blood because his eyes are injured, I, I'm not entirely sure. Could be both. We'll, we'll have to see. We cut to our uh, antagonist here, the talking dog, um, who is the representative of the avatar of Ma'at, is intensifying things, picking things up as far as trying to get rid of this wielder of the helmet of Thoth, and he's walking along the shoreline and sees a big uh, cargo vessel, you know, with the big cargo boxes stacked up on it, and he picks up the whole thing and sends it rocketing towards where he knows that Khalid is uh, with the helmet exercising powers. He, he just dispersed the wave, so now the Anubis uh, avatar is sending a new attack, and it's this big cargo ship zooming down the street, much like you see the cargo ship in that movie uh, with Aaron Eckhart at the end of the world, and his son is stuck in the library, and they send there's a big tanker that cruises past the library because... New York has been plummeted with waves, uh, and it's high enough that the tanker can just kind of drift. That it, it put me in mind of, of that movie. Uh, Khalid is zipping around trying to get people out of the way, and he scoops up a couple people, puts them on a rooftop nearby. The ship bearing down on him, Khalid 
flies to address the ship um, eyeball to stern, I guess you could say. And he tries to to do some things, you know, he, he still knew that should do something, doesn't affect the ship at all. The containers start popping out and, and zipping at him, so he's he's shooting them down kind of like skeet target practice, you know, with these bolts of energy from his hands. Then he realizes that he needs more power uh, than he is currently wielding. I don't suspect it's than the helmet can provide him, but he doesn't know how to tap into everything, so he feels he needs more energy, searches out, finds energy underground, which perhaps are the electrical lines for the the borough of Brooklyn, and summons them up, and then with a a mighty blast sends them against the ship, and it looks like he disintegrates the ship in in a large explosion, so large perhaps that it throws him back too. Uh, from from it, the the last that we see, let me flip a couple pages, and we don't really know that that's what happened, but that's kind of the way it was drawn. All right, we cut to mom. She has gone back home, and she's talking to a neighbor, Akila. Uh, Akila is a youngish female who seems to be more, perhaps traditional, because she she is wearing a head wrap that Khalid's girlfriend Shea. Uh, we haven't seen, nor his mother wearing. Uh, we know that Muhammad and Khalid and his mother are from Egypt directly. They immigrated. Shea, I'm not sure what her situation is. I suspect that she was probably born here in the U.S. Khalid has memories of being in Egypt, so that tells us he was born there. All of them are more neo, perhaps, uh, and I don't say again in a bad way, neo-Muslim. They're, they're not they're, they're less traditional. Here, Akila is a representation of the more traditional aspects of Muslims, I believe, living in America. She's a neighbor, and we see also that perhaps she is a rival for the affections of Khalid with Shea, because Akila makes the comment, among other things, talking to Khalid and perhaps how he's behaving, that she doesn't seem to approve of much. And are you ready to dump Shea for a proper girl yet, she says. Now, he says grow up. So that that kind of confuses me as to how serious she was being. You know, is she serious or is she just picking at him because they're neighbors? It could be either way. Uh, Khalid is very tired from the previous night, but also from the wielding of the Dr. Fate-ish powers. So... Perhaps his response is because of that rather than the fact that she playfully said something and he playfully responded. Hard to tell just in that short encounter. It could be either one. Uh, We cut to the third location that's mentioned in the book, Battery Park. So those three places, all being real places, uh, they're, they're really trying to ground at least, like I say, the location of this story. And the Anubis avatar is speaking to the other animals, and it looks like they're all dogs. I'm not going to use any cats, because cats are the opposing forces. But he's rallying uh, the dogs to bring uh, bring him, the avatar of Anubis, any representation of Bastet, who the cat represented, and sends them forth. 
Khalid is uh, walking around in his neighborhood here. I don't know. I guess maybe he's just surveying things because he doesn't say anything about heading anywhere in particular. He has thrown that the helmet of Thoth in his book bag that he's carrying around with him, which I thought that the book bag had been dropped. This is really the first time we've seen it. But apparently he found it after the great deluge of Brooklyn. Helicopter flying over the top, announcing evacuation zones 1 and 2 are to be evacuated immediately. If you are in the designated areas, you must leave. Now, that's kind of ironic because he was thinking initially when the wave first hit that there had been no evacuation announcements for zone 1 and 2 where he lives or the area where he lives being Bay Ridge must be area 3. And now they are announcing after the flood has been there and then receded. So he's, you know, talking to himself, yeah, 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 whatever, kind of late. Walking around, uh, just kind of trying to gather himself. He He's still very conflicted. He says here in one panel, four months ago I was a college kid with no responsibilities, worse than passing orgo, which I suspect must mean organic chemistry. Uh, not that I've ever suffered that with my D uh, that I took while I was in college, so... He holds up the helmet, and he's speaking to the helmet, knowing that it speaks back. And Naboo also uh, appears, or a representation of Naboo. And he is is instead now talking to Naboo rather than the helmet. Naboo is trying to encourage him on. Khalid grabs the helmet, puts it on, and there's this nimbus both of fate-ish energy, but also kind of a rainbowish kind of mixed in with it. Khalid starts flying around. Uh, again, the water is uh, attacking intelligently, almost. He, Khalid fights back using energy uh, from the helmet, uh, materializing as nimbuses around his hand. He's directing these at the water, but the water seems almost to eat or absorb and grow bigger and more fierce as Khalid is trying to exert his will on it. Until finally, a a wave comes and swamps Khalid, throws him around, and then seemingly just spits him out and shoots him up into the air towards the helicopter. Kind of taken off guard and unable to do anything, really, he strikes the helicopter, knocking the helicopter... uh, Askew, but also the helicopter trying to avoid the impact was in the process of doing that already. Khalid uh, rights himself, gains control physically of his body, f- flailing around in the air, and then focuses his attention on the helicopter, which is now just plummeting, uh, almost perhaps upside down. Kind of hard to tell from the orientation of the panel. Maybe not. Maybe it's just falling. He exerts some of his energies on it, trying to do to the helicopter what he was not able to do to the jet plane in the first issue, but is successful as the helicopter just kind of belly flops on its skids on on the water, um, unlike the jet plane which crashed and burned. Then Khalid, uh, perhaps because again he's he's, um, using the stamina that he does have, he, he kind of falls falls into a little playground here and is thinking of something that I have noticed when he speaks aloud he speaks 
kind of in the same pattern and in the same font as Nabu does, but when he thinks, it is the same font as Khalid speaks, but the bubbles are colored the same color as the helmet slash Nabu are when they speak. So I guess he's, um, you could say, of two minds. When he thinks he is thinking as Khalid, when he speaks, he's speaking as Nabu slash helmet. And he comments that uh, now that the, the, the helmet is not speaking to him, he's continuing basically the thoughts he was having before of not knowing what to do. You know, this is kind of a, a down moment. He's not being active. So he can uh, think more about everything that's going on. Let's see. I have to find this nasty dog god monster, stop the world from being drowned, and show up live for my first classes tomorrow. Easy. And then he thinks, damn, I forgot to text S, good night, in the middle of all that insanity. And we see here, as he's running towards, I guess, to try to meet with her, he texts Khalid, sorry, S, busy saving the world. And then we have the name of next story entitled Confrontation. So maybe that'll be the um, finale of this particular story arc where Khalid will go up against the Avatar of Anubis and defeat it finally. We will see. As far as the feedback that I mentioned, uh, I do want to give out some thanks here to Alan Middleton, Eric Wilkinson-Gilliard, Brian Reigate, Joe Crawford, Jacob Edwards, Mark Sicote, or Sicote, I apologize, Mark, Van Z, the Pulp to Pixels podcast, Jared West, Chris Ivy, Pat and Pat Burchard, all for uh, likes and or comments on the Facebook page. I also want to recognize Sean Merrick for saying I'm elated that this podcast exists. Thank you, my man. I appreciate that, sir. I'm glad the podcast exists, too. I'm having a lot of fun doing this. And then finally here, I want to recognize Kyle Benning for a rather lengthy comment he left for us. Another great episode. This is on episode 36 on Facebook. I'm really enjoying your recap of the Golden Age Dr. Fate adventures. That seems to be really popular with those uh, folks that are listening. Uh, they're, uh, Or at least they're commenting more about the Golden Age episodes than the new or the New 52, Dr. Fate, which was the... Uh, Kyle goes on, The issue of Detective that this Fate story is reprinted in is a 100-page giant. This series is the genesis of DC writer, editor, and comic historian E. Nelson Bridwell. He wanted to celebrate DC's great stories from the Golden Age, so he pushed for the 100-page Super Spectaculars, books that reprinted Golden Age material and even printed stories that had been created for inventory and then never used. The 100-page Super Spectacular series itself ran for something like 20 issues before the format then was carried over to monthly books. So you'd have a 100-page giant of Detective or Superman that had a main feature starring the predominant feature of the book, like Batman or Superman, and then a number of reprinted stories that could either again feature the main character or a whole host of other characters. These reprinted stories were typically typically a blend of silver and gold age stories. For example, in addition to this Golden Age Dr. Fate story, Detective Comics 442 also reprinted a 1945 Batman story, 
1948 Black Canary story and a 1943 Newsboy Legion story. Uh, the issue then reprinted Silver Age stories starring Elongated Man and Hawkman. Well, cool, Kyle. Uh, thanks a lot for that info. We appreciate that, and, and thanks for listening to the show. Now, in particular, uh, this is good coming from Kyle, because if I am not mistaken, Kyle has a podcast himself entitled, entitled King Size Comics Giant Size Fun, in which he talks about these supersized books that come out, both the Spectaculars, uh, extra length annuals and specials and things like that. Anything that is quote unquote giant sized, more than the typical, uh, you know, 20 to 30 pages that comic books have been. I, I believe Kyle does a show like that if you guys are interested in that format. Even if you're not interested, I would say give that show a listen because for me, it's been pretty entertaining and I've enjoyed it. Thank you for the comment, Kyle. Uh, that's all for the thanks and the feedback and the uh, back padding that I wanted to give out this episode. The next several episodes, there will be more as I catch up with some of the feedback that we've been given since the last time I recorded. Next episode, though, is more Golden Age fun. We will have the More Fun Comics issue 71 Dr. Fate story to think about and for me to discuss when episode 44 pops out. We'll talk to you guys later. Ciao. Lords of Order is a Teal production, and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative 3.0 unported license.